Sports Radio 93.7, The Fan. Josh Taylor here till 1230. Nasty Nate on the ones and twos taking care of me as always. We have talked about quite a bit of baseball. We've talked about a little bit of hockey with Angie Carducci. We did that in the previous hour. If you missed that conversation, download the Odyssey app. Use the rewind feature. Go back to about 1026-ish. You can listen to the conversation in full. But we're going to talk a little bit more football now. Steelers OTAs have come to a close. Mandatory minicamp is up next. And to help us kind of ease our way into that transition, joining me right now on the fan hotline brought to you by the Workers' Compensation Law Firm of Hall & Capitas, it's Chris Carter. He covers the Steelers and Pitt for DK Pittsburgh Sports, and he joins me right now on 93.7 The Fan. Chris, my dude, my fellow City League alumnus, what's going on? What's up, Mark? How you been, brother? (laughs) It's good to talk to you, man, because the last time you and I talked – I think it was a couple weeks ago. I was trying to get you on a couple weeks ago. You were actually on vacation. I think you were getting ready to come back. I like, And I was leaving to go on vacation after you were coming back. So we were like two ships passing in the night. But now we're both off vacation and hopefully both well-rested. I know I'm not because got a 10-week-old baby. But, you know, good to talk to you all the same. <laughs> same here, man. Same here, man. It was a short vacation. Got like two days. But, you know, you, you take what you can get right now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Especially when you got mandatory minicamp coming up here couple things I wanted to hit on, and they, they've been discussions that have been kind of sure. brought in my general area. One of the discussions was the offensive line. Chooks Okarafor talked about getting work at left tackle, and he's pretty much saying, look, I'm just trying to do the things to show the coaches what I can do, was the gist of what he had been saying uh, this past week. There's been the discussion of the offensive line looking different. Chooks Okarafor getting work at left tackle, I have to say I'm surprised. I'd figured that that would have been more decided already since Chooks was playing at right tackle last year. But your thought of moving Chooks over to the left side, is he the guy? Is it Zach Banner? Should we be looking for competition? What's the pulse right now? So you got to remember, Chooks Okorafor filled in for Zach Banner at right tackle. So really, that job was won last year by Zach Banner until he until he you know, tore his Achilles um, in, the, uh, in the first you know, game of the season. So that's the that's the only reason the core four even got his starts on the right side of the offensive line for most of the year. So mm-hmm. now you're coming back. Uh, one thing that I think the Steelers have made clear they're they're going to block differently this year. And if you look back to last year and how they ran, when they ran the ball, you often see the offensive line fire off the ball and like take a, take their first few steps. But when they engaged guys, they walled them off. They you know, they, they, they would say well, they wouldn't follow through and try to pancake the guy. They would just try to like, hey, we're gonna move you out of the gap and then kinda hold you there. This that's not what they're gonna try to do this year. Adrian Clem has basically told the entire offensive line, you're going to run through their faces. <laughs> you are going to crush them. You are going to, to, to inflict pain upon them, not like you know, illegally, but you're gonna you're going to be dominant. And that's what they want this group to be. I think part of it, because people are like, well, why did they go away from that? Part of it was last year, that offensive line was just very old. And they still yeah. have David DeCastro, but but now Marquise Pouncey's gone. Alejandro Villanueva is gone. And when you're playing this physical style of play, it can be a lot more taxing on the older linemen. Um, and so I think that they that was them saying, you know what, we're just going to play a style of way that kind of protects our guys, make sure that they can stay healthy so that they can protect Ben Roethlisberger. This year they're saying, you know, we don't got time to worry about that. We got to go in and do those things. So that's what the Steelers, I think, mindset is, is right now. And for a core force switching to left tackle, honestly, I think that's his better side anyway. Hmm. Because one thing that I've noted, even when he was drafted out of Western Michigan, I said, you know, he, even in college, like, this guy has really good feet. 
This guy is really good when he drops into his pass sets, but he does not bury anyone. He doesn't do the thing that Adrian Clement, the new offensive line coach, is trying to teach them. Oftentimes, when he gets a guy, if he beats them initially, that's it. He's like, you know, I did my job. I'm not going to try and, like, kill this guy. But that's what Adrian Clem wants. you got to be mean. you got to be nasty as an offensive lineman. And as a left tackle, you're more there to protect Ben Roethlisberger's blind side. You're going to be – you're the least aggressive person that they'll want on the team. So I think that just – that fits what he does more so than right tackle or any other position on the offensive line. And Zach Banner being the huge man that he is, I think he's ready to kind of go and be that aggressive right, run-blocking right tackle. Because even if you think that's what made Marcus Gilbert so dangerous all those years at right tackle for the Steelers with Le'Veon Bell, he would just go out and block this, this not out of people. So that's why he's moving over there. Um, but I, you know, I, will, I wouldn't sleep on you know the, them looking at the other guys they brought in, like Carl Hager, Dan Moore, and how they might play into the Steelers' offense this year. Chris Carter covers the Steelers and Pitt for DK Pittsburgh Sports. He joins me right now on 93.7 The Fan. Follow us on Twitter at 937 The Fan, driven by Jim Shorky Kia in Wexford, North Huntington, and Uniontown, Pittsburgh's number one Kia dealer. Visit shorkykia.com. Chris, let's go to the defensive side. Devin Bush talked this week about coming off his ACL injury. He's been recovering pretty nicely. Being on the field, I think, caught a lot of people off guard. Um, the question was posed to him about him playing 100% of the snaps before he got hurt. He says he's expecting to play 100% of the snaps when he gets back on the field. Good idea or a bad idea, in your opinion? I think it has to be a good idea. You know, I, I know when you when you look at the Steelers' defense, Devin Bush is like Minka Fitzpatrick and you know, and, and all the guys that that line up in the middle. But you need that guy out there as many snaps as you can. Now you can give him rest, but you want this guy out here. And I think there's going to be a rotation of um, of linebackers this year, but the rotation is going to be Devin Bush and who else for pretty much most of the time. Hmm. Now, for people who are like, well, what, what, they rotate T.J. Watt, they rotate the defensive linemen. Well, yes, but those are positions where every snap of the ball, you're engaging somebody. Inside linebacker, you're starting off the ball. You've got space. You know, you're patrolling. You're not necessarily going in and making contact with with an offensive lineman and trying to win that battle every play. So you're going to have the chance to have more stamina. That's why you see secondary you guys in the secondary play more snaps because they're more so worried about their footwork and they're working in space out there where these guys, they're physically getting beat up every play. That's just the nature of their job. So it's totally natural for them to expect that, and they need him to. They need him to be an X-factor this year, and I think he really can be. That's why they, they trade up to the 10th spot of the, of the NFL draft to get him, um, and that's still – that's the highest Steelers player that's been drafted in, a, in the Kevin Colbert era since Plaxico Burris, who was mm. drafted eighth overall. So, like, they believe in this guy. He believes in himself. I mean, the guy said he could cover Jarvis Landry one-on-one in the slot. Wow. Um, so, like, yeah, so he, he's, he has a lot of confidence. They're, they're kind of taking it easy. To, you know, they're not letting him go full practice in these OTAs because they want to make sure that his ACL is fully prepared. Uh, but, yeah, I really do think that they're – they're going to be using him if you know 100% of the snaps all the time isn't fully realistic because there's going to be times you need to take him off, but it, it would be closer to like 97, 98%. Chris, I, I got a I got a college football playoff question. I'm keeping it in my back pocket for a second, but I'm going to ask you this next question with no exposition, no background whatsoever. I'm going to give you two words: Le'Veon Bell. Go, Ugh, dude. Just stop talking. Like it's just. 
like the, the the stuff where he's like, I'd never, I'd never play for Andy Reid. I'm like, dog, he almost got you a Super Bowl this year, like for just for sitting on the bench. What, what, what do you mean you'd never t- play to play for Andy Reid again? Who, first of all, and who's gonna pick you up now? Uh, listen, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell was a was a great running back when he was with the Steelers. He did a lot of amazing things, but he he gambled incorrectly when he thought when he thought that he would be able to get the super duper contract, and he got his guaranteed money, but. Ultimately, if he had just signed the deal with the Steelers, you know, if, if he probably wouldn't have had the fall off that he did, and he'd be he'd have made more money in the long term because his deal with the Steelers would have lasted longer. I mean, he his deal with the Jets, I mean, he played a year and a half, and they were like, "All right, get out of here. You're not even good." Um, he needed he needed to stick around somewhere where he was going to stay engaged with an offense and an offense that knew how to use him, uh, and it didn't work out. And now he's. He's seen as a veteran running back. And I I honestly think when he came back to the Jets, he did have his skills back. Hmm. But the problem was they didn't didn't know how to use him. It's Adam Gase. Everything Adam Gase touches just goes down the drain. Like, it's just not good. So, um, so yeah. But, but, you know, and that was years ago. But now you're in a state where, dude, like, you're unemployed. You need to not be taking shots at, like, future Hall of Fame coaches like Andy Reid. Hmm. Like, that's just – that's that's not the way to go because best believe those coaches all see that and they're like mm, I don't need him right now I mean, he he don't even what does he even bring right now just just more yapping I'm okay so um, I I think he he might be done he might get like another offer at some point just to come in and see what he's got left in the tank but um, yeah I I think we've seen the end of Le'Veon Bell making plays in the NFL. Chris Carter covers the Steelers and Pitt for DK Pittsburgh Sports. It's the pit side I want to jump to now because I want to talk college football playoff expansion. I talked about this a few minutes ago. They're talking about propo- there, uh, there's a proposal on the table right now for possibly 12 teams. I think eight is the sweet spot. I feel like it's a good thing when they're talking 12 because it gets some group of five teams maybe a shot, maybe a power five team or two that probably should have had a chance. But part of me still feels like they could screw this up with 12 teams. Where are you sitting with this right now? I love it. I'm sorry. The, the only thing I don't love is that they still ain't paying athletes. They need to be they, these athletes need to be paid if they're going to be playing 16 game seasons and mm. going through all this stuff and beating up their bodies all year long for this. I, I've I've long been a been a protagonist or protagonist, an advocate for um um for 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 college athletes to get paid when they're when they're bringing in the money when you know when you're making billions of dollars off these kids for free they they need to be getting you know considerable pay, not like a little bit of itty bitty stipend. That you know they, they can they can eat a couple of meals with so um, yeah I, I, I that that's my one downside but everything else oh Josh this is amazing this is all I ever wanted like like you you look at you look at the the the, the top 100 broadcasts of 2020 in prime time and it's these are all things television all things sports 72 of the top 100 broadcasts were sporting events. 69, nice, of those broadcasts were NFL games. The only other three sporting events were the entirety of the college football playoffs. Not the NBA, not the NHL, not the MLB. Just football is king. Wow. It it, it dominates. So if I'm the NCAA, and I've said this for years, I'm like, if I'm the NCAA and I'm the college football playoff system, I'm like, no, wait a minute. We're getting like 50 million people to tune into blowout playoff games when everybody knows that Ohio State's going to crush Oklahoma. Everybody knows Clemson's going to run Notre Dame out the building. Everybody <laughs> knows Alabama's going to beat Washington in the first round. But you know what? The whole country still tuned in. 
and it's one of the most watched, and those are the most, some of the most watched sporting events in the in the, in, in the uh, every year. So if I'm the NCAA, why wouldn't I want more of those? And, and here's the other thing: when you open it up, like you said, now you're getting all these teams. Like when Central, when UCF was balling, and they thought they deserved a shot at the title. Now they would get that chance. When Boise State years ago mm-hmm. used to be every year like 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 undefeated, undefeated in the one year where they missed a kick, and that was their one chance after like three years of dominance to make uh, to have a shot to get to the national title game. Now they get a chance. That's what this. That's what this does. This gives a lot of chances. And again, I also think it will. For all the complaining that people do at the end of every year when they're like, "Oh, such and such player opted out," yeah, because they weren't they were in a, a meaningless bowl game that was going to do nothing for their team it, other than just like, "Hey, we're playing at this bowl game. What does it really matter if we're the Capital One Bowl champion or the Tostito? Or not the Tostitos is the big one. Fiesta's team, but like you know, the Little Caesars Bowl champion. Like those things is like, yeah, it's great, but it's also like, it's like, what does this mean now? If you're one of those top twelve teams. You know that winning one of those games gets you a shot to go into and do more. And that's, I think that's going to impact the competitiveness. I think it's going to impact the, the, the fans' interest in it because now people are going to, more people are going to be invested because they know that their team can have a shot at these things. It's just it, – it makes the most sense. It's going to make so much more money. It's going to be so much more fun because you're going to see all these teams from all over the country. And that's, that's the magic of college football, right? It's seeing these entirely different – environment and the craziness that these college football fans are. I mean, that's, that's what makes March Madness special to me is when you see these college basketball just cultures clash from all over the country. I, I, you know, of course, I wouldn't want, you know, 16, let alone 64 teams in a, in a college football playoff. But 12, I, I think that, that I, I can work with that. You know, again, six, six conference winners that are the highest ranked and then six at-large bids, that's going to create a lot of interest. So, Josh – Chris is here for it. Chris is going to be uh, having all the beers that I want lined up when these things play. Unless Chris playing, then I'm going to be in the press box. Um, but uh, but you know, I, I'm I am here for the college football playoff expansion. People that are boohooing this and saying, "Well, what about it? What, what if we keep expanding it?" Okay, cool. Who cares? It's going to be fun. It's going to be even more fun. More games. We're going to we're going to enjoy all this. Bye. Thank you, <laughs> Chris. You just gave me hope. I'm all excited now. This is fantastic. Appreciate the time, brother. We'll talk soon. <laughs> 